the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. We get underway now at exactly eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock. Thank you so much for being with us on a Tuesday. It feels like a Monday, but I can assure you it is a, it is a Tuesday after the long Independence Day weekend. Uh, it's the sixth morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Hopefully you enjoyed your weekend, had a great day yesterday, if indeed you did have the observed holiday off. And uh, we are ready and raring to go to get back at it this morning. So uh, we're going to start with some terrific guests today. Coming up in about 10 minutes, about 12 minutes to be more precise, uh, the guy who's leading the pack in terms of the um, Ohio Senate race to replace Rob Portman right now. This is just right now. It's very early polling, but it is polling. And as long as you've got polling, you might as well talk about the polling, right? Uh, we can't always count on it, but uh, Josh Mandel is leading the pack by a pretty good number, at least in the recent polling that we have seen over the likes of uh, Jane Timken and uh, Bernie Moreno and J.D. Vance and uh, uh, Mike Gibbons. Uh, it's a crowded field, a lot of good people in that, some not so great, but uh, Josh Mandel is in control of it at the moment. And how will that change? We're going to talk to him coming up at 9.20. Like I said, about now 11 minutes away. So we're looking forward to that conversation. He's got a great idea, by the way. Instead of the January 6th select committee that Nancy Pelosi has appointed to look into the Capitol Hill, quote, insurrection, this is the way they view it, uh, he wants a November 3rd committee. He wants a full-on committee to investigate the fraud, or at least the allegations of fraud, in the November 3rd election. So we're going to talk to Josh Mandel about that at 9.20. Then at 9.35, we're going to have to go back uh, to our Monday guest, since we were off yesterday, and bring in Jim Jordan. And indeed, we will. Jim Jordan, Ohio's 4th Congressional District Representative, will join us at... Um, uh, 9.35, and then at 10.10, as it's a regular Tuesday, yes, Peter Kersenow will be with us as well. So we're loaded for bear today. Mandel, Jordan, 
and Kersenow, and I certainly welcome you to be a part of it as well. 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Before we begin the news of the day, I think it's only appropriate that we do what we always do. Let's start our morning with the Pledge of Allegiance. If you have a flag, maybe still within your eyesight because you had them up or out for, um, uh, for Independence Day, please face your flag. Put your hand on your heart, whether you have a flag or not. Liberals, take your proverbial knee. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. It's especially appropriate to start the show with the pledge today because what we're going to start talking about here is just the repugnancy of of the far left. You know, I kind of appropriated a Ted Cruz comment to put on my Facebook wall this morning. Ted Cruz, as part of a response to Cori Bush that I'll talk about in a second, tweeted yesterday, quote, the left hates America. Believe them when they tell you this. And I kind of appropriated that and stole it and paraphrased it a little bit. And I I put on my wall this morning, when the left publicly announces that they hate America, believe them. And they mean the same thing. And the reason why Ted Cruz wrote that and the reason why I did as well is because the left is telling you that they hate America. It's not a question any longer. It's It's not a discussion or debate or an allegation or an accusation. It's a recognition of their own words. Cori Bush, a member of the uh, Squids, far-left representative Cori Bush from Missouri, took to Twitter on Independence Day on Sunday and decided that it was not a holiday for American celebration. It was a holiday only for white American celebration. I wish I wasn't, you know, didn't have this, but... But this is the reality of what uh, of what she did and what she wrote. Cory Bush tweeted, "This land is stolen land. Black people still aren't free. When they say that the Fourth of July is about American freedom, remember this: the freedom they're referring to is for white people." End quote. Cori Bush is a Black Lives Matter activist masquerading as a legislator. Somehow, some way, she got, well, well, let's look at the district where she is. She is in an extraordinarily heavily Democratic district in Missouri where she beat uh, longtime Representative William Lacey Clay to advance the Black Lives Matter agenda. And boy, she is not disappointing. When Juneteenth was made a federal holiday last week, uh, she, or last, last month, I guess, now, uh, but, but about two weeks ago, She used the quote-unquote federal holiday to push for a number of other radical black-led initiatives. Quote, it's Juneteenth and reparations. It's Juneteenth and end police violence, plus the war on drugs. It's Juneteenth and end housing plus education apartheid. It's Juneteenth and teach the truth about white supremacy in our country. Black liberation in its totality must be prioritized. 
Cori Bush is not representing the people of the United States of America. She's not representing her district in, in Missouri. She is representing Black Lives Matter, period, full stop. That's it. She is representing black America in her weird version of it, in her weird observation of it. And Ted Cruz had heard just about enough when he read that. Ted Cruz responded, as I noted a moment ago, uh, with the left hates America. Believe them when they tell you this. Hateful, divisive lies, he wrote. And then he reminded us, two years ago, Colin Kaepernick tried to spread the same lies on July 4th. I responded with the wisdom of the great abolitionist Frederick Douglass. And this was this is worth the time. I'm going to give it right now, real quick. July 4th, two years ago in 2019, Colin Kaepernick, the former NFL quarterback turned multimillionaire activist and, and liar, uh, tweeted, quote, what have I or those I represent to do with your national independence? The 4th of July is yours, not mine. There is not a nation on earth guilty of practices more shocking and bloody than are the, the people of these United States at, the, at this very hour. End quote. And then he signed it, Frederick Douglass. Ted Cruz immediately took the opportunity there to educate him, as you know somebody needs to. He responded, you quote a, high, a mighty and historic speech by the great abolitionist Frederick Douglass, but without context. And without context, many modern readers will misunderstand. Two critical points. One, this speech was given in 1852, before the Civil War, when the abomination of slavery still existed. Thanks to Douglass and so many other heroes, we ended that grotesque evil and have made enormous strides to protect the civil liberties of everybody, too. Douglas was not anti-American. He was rightly and passionately anti-slavery. Indeed, he concluded his speech as follows. And this is what they do. This is what the left likes to do. They give you or they cherry-pick the words they want you to hear, and they ignore or try to cover the rest. Here's the rest. Allow me to say in conclusion, notwithstanding the dark picture I have this day presented of the state of the nation, I do not despair of this country. There are forces in operation which must inevitably work the downfall of slavery. The arm of the Lord is not shortened, and the doom of slavery is certain. I therefore leave off where I began, with hope, while drawing encouragement from the Declaration of Independence, the great principles it contains, and the genius of American institutions. My spirit is also cheered by the obvious tendencies of the age. End quote. Frederick Douglass loved this country. Frederick Douglass saw the greatness of this country even during its darkest times, knew what was coming, the end of slavery, and a tremendous opportunity for all peoples as identified in the Declaration itself. And the left wants to continue now to bastardize the Declaration of Independence to ignore the tremendous uh, celebration not ignore the celebration, let me rephrase, to ignore rather than celebrate uh, the glory of July 4th, 1776, which was the birth of the greatest nation in the history of humankind. So, Ted Cruz, thank you for that reminder. You told uh, Colin Kaepernick, now you're telling Cory Bush, and I want everybody else to tell every leftist who continues to express their hatred, hatred for this country exactly what the facts are. All right, if I had more time to get into that, I would, but I'll take our time out here so we can make room for our friend Josh Mandel, Ohio Senate candidate. He'll join us next on AM 1420, The Answer.
Okay, 920. Good Tuesday morning to you. Thanks for joining us. As promised, now let's welcome uh, uh, our friend uh, Josh Mandel, former Ohio treasurer, now candidate for the Ohio Senate seat being vacated by Rob Portman, leading in a, a few very early polls by pretty big margins over a very crowded GOP primary field. Josh Mandel, it's good to have you back on the airwaves. How are you, sir? Hey, Bob. Always good to be on. Okay, I'm not hearing Josh. I don't know if we have the pot up over there. Let's try and turn him um, up. Um, I can hear you. Yeah, yeah, we didn't have your pot up there. Sorry about that, Josh. Go ahead. Uh, or first of all, thank you for uh, for coming on with us. It's good to talk to you. How are you? Always good to be on. Thanks for uh, what you're doing to lead at the pointy tip of the spear in a conservative constitutional fight. So I have to ask you, Josh, um, before we get into an announcement here and, uh, and uh, a commission that you're calling for, uh, I mentioned the polls, and uh, you and your team have been, you know, obviously very proud of of pumping out your big leads over many of the other big names in the Republican primary. But how did you feel about the impromptu poll that President Trump pulled uh, on the stage in Wellington a couple of weeks ago? I was there, you were there, and uh, he kind of did just a quick little by applause. Who do you like? Um, you had to feel pretty good about what you heard. Yes, it, it was great. I mean, it just reaffirmed what we've been seeing and hearing and feeling all over the state that Trump warriors, constitutional conservatives all over the state of Ohio are backing my campaign in a big way. I think in large part because they know I'm a fighter and they know that I won't back down from fights and they know that I'm going to take on the squishy establishment Republicans in Washington. You know, I'm, I'm out here not only rhino hunting, but also standing up for the Constitution and standing up for the Trump America First agenda. And, yeah, when uh, President Trump did that uh, impromptu crowd poll and Jane Timken got booed and the crowd went uh, pretty pretty roaring uh, for me, it was uh, it was definitely a good feeling. And uh, But listen, polls don't matter. The only poll that matters is Election Day. And uh, what we're doing is we're running like we're behind. Even if all the polls say we're ahead, we run like we're behind. No one's going to outwork me. And listen, I think all the other campaigns, Bob, they're going to have more money than my campaign. I mean, there's like all these gazillionaires running against me, and there's folks running against me who are funded by big tech gazillionaires and others. But the thing that we have that no one else does is this grassroots movement of constitutional conservatives and America First MAGA warriors. Well, for those who weren't there, by the way, what Josh and I are talking about at the president's appearance in Wellington uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, when the president said, let's see how, you know who you like here, there were four attendees, four candidates in attendance, rather, Josh Mandel, who got a roaring approval, uh, Jane Timken, who got largely booed, Mike Gibbons, who had a nice response, and then Bernie Moreno, the president cut it off before he got to Bernie Moreno. One name that was not there uh, and considered there was J.D. Vance, because he was not an announced candidate until just about four days ago he is an announced candidate candidate now what are your thoughts on jd's entrance into this race josh listen like we're going to take anyone seriously who's running you know when i when i look at him i don't know him well bob but and i i think his own statements in the past should be disturbing to all of us as constitutional conservatives and supporters of president trump uh you know he you know, these are his words, not mine. You know, he said that he couldn't bring himself to support President Trump against Hillary Clinton. So forget about the primary. This is when President Trump was running against Hillary Clinton in the general election. You know, he couldn't, couldn't even bring himself to vote for 
President Trump, and you know, in essence, he ended up helping Hillary Clinton. So it's it's disturbing, you know, when you when you find folks who are, are just change their positions like he is because they want to run for office. I think that voters see through that. Uh, and again, like these are his words, not mine. You know, he called President Trump an idiot. He said he called us as Trump supporters racist. He said that Trump support is based in racism. And so I, I just I, I think when voters hear his own words, it's just going to be very disturbing to them. I mean, and I should be clear, it should be it'll be disturbing to conservative voters. I think the Democrat voters will, will love J.D. Vance's message, um, but I think the conservative voters and those of us who are not only constitutional conservatives but very strongly support President Trump, I think they're just going to be very disturbed by his words. Yeah, I'll be giving uh, J.D. Vance a chance to answer some of those questions that you just asked and brought up uh, because I have those same questions. He'll be on with me on Thursday, so people can listen for that and hear how he responds to uh, to some of that. Josh, uh, Nancy, we're talking to Josh Mandel, former Ohio treasurer, now a leading candidate for the Ohio Senate seat held by Rob Portman. Nancy Pelosi is is um, uh, commissioning a January 6th select committee. They could not get the full-on bipartisan um, uh, uh, commission that they wanted, so she's doing a select committee of House representatives. She has appointed one Republican herself, rather than letting Kevin McCarthy do it, uh, by putting Liz Cheney on this thing. And the attempt here, well, I'll ask you what you think the attempt of that commission is or what the goal of that commission is or that select committee is but you want to go back a couple of months before you don't want a january 6th commission as much as you want a november 3rd commission what's a november 3rd commission exactly so i believe we should abolish the january 6th commission i think the january 6th commission is a waste of time and taxpayer money and we should replace it with a november 3rd commission and the mission of the november 3rd commission will be to investigate the Democrat cheating in the November 3rd, 2020 election. Uh, I envision this commission being uh, constituted of congressmen, senators, but also state legislators and secretaries of state, because at the end of the day, we don't want the federal government making election laws. We want the federal government making recommendations to the states. We, we want the states maintaining the power to actually make election law. So here are some of the things that I would suggest a commission like this recommend. First and foremost, photo ID for voting. You know, the left says that photo ID is racist. Come on. I mean, there's nothing racist about having to show your photo ID. If, if, if someone's on welfare benefits, they have to show, to show their photo ID to get welfare benefits. If, uh, if someone wants to fly Delta Airlines, they got to show you their photo ID. If they want to buy a beer, they got to show, show a photo ID. Even John Kasich, when he got, you know, when he went to the Democrat National Convention, he had to show a photo ID to go into the Democrat National Convention, and so, so on and so on. There's, there's nothing racist about photo ID. So that would be one suggestion I would make for a commission like this. A second one is getting rid of Dominion machines and, and actually considering getting rid of electronic voting altogether. I don't think paper balloting was broken, uh, and you, what you had was secretaries of state around the country and others who had this race to technology before the technology was ready and the technology is as we've seen penetrable by you know definitely by hackers but potentially by the russians the chinese whoever and so i i think we should definitely get rid of the dominion machines possibly get rid of electronic voting altogether and and go back to paper balloting uh, third thing is we need to ensure with any early voting 
that there's multiple step signature verification. You know, down in Georgia, they were the voters were voting early vote by mail at addresses where no one lived, you know, where there were boarded up houses and, and, and no one lived. And listen, I was out in uh, Maricopa County a few weeks ago, Bob, where they're auditing the vote in Arizona. I think not only should we be auditing the vote in Arizona, I think we should be auditing the vote in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Georgia. I mean, when these Democrats say they're afraid of an audit, obviously they have something to hide. Yeah, that is uh, what a lot of people have called for, and I concur. But uh, some are going to look at you, Josh Mandel, and say, ah, you're a candidate, and you're you're just going to announce radical things like this. They're never going to go back and try to relitigate, particularly at the congressional level, the election. Uh, they're going to say the people spoke, the courts have even... And how would you answer that? Let me, let me just go right there. There have been many, 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 many court challenges on behalf of the president uh, in many states uh, about all of the irregularities and all of the questions, and the courts have either said, no, or they refuse to even hear them. So, you know, there has not yet been a victory is the point for the teams challenging the election um, authenticity for President Trump. So if the courts have already said, nope, there's nothing there, um, wh- wh- what do you think the likelihood is they're going to just listen to a candidate who says, ah, let- let's put a November 3rd commission out there. That'll, that'll, that'll get to the bottom of this. Well, your observation, Bob, about most of the, most of the courts either not hearing them or or dismissing them on procedural grounds is an important point. Yeah, exactly. It's an it's an important point, and it's an important nuance in that most of these cases were not heard on the merits. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of these cases like, didn't get to the merit part of the argument. Uh, they were you know they were rejected on procedural grounds, and so the merits and the actual investigation of the balloting, the ballot harvesting. Um, Things that went on with machines, a lot of different, I'd say, I'd say different occurrences where you know one's spidey senses might go off. They were never really investigated. I mean, Arizona is the first state to really dig in and investigate now, and that's why I believe you know we should also do the same thing in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia. Part of it is we need to ensure that. We uncover whatever happened in in 2020, but also we need to make sure it never happens again. I mean, listen, I did my small part in the Marine Corps in Iraq, and so many of your listeners are veterans and patriots and the kids and grandkids of veterans and patriots. Every time someone cheats in an election, they are spitting in the face of someone who's worn the uniform, and they're also disenfranchising their neighbors. And so there's, there's no downside of investigating what went wrong in the election so we can make recommendations and fix it for the future. There's literally no downside in that whatsoever. Yeah, and there's nothing more important. Nothing more important. I mean, you could argue the First Amendment and the Second Amendment and a number of other things, but really nothing more important than our election integrity because we are a representative republic. We we choose our ele- or, or our representatives to go out go to go to uh, Washington D.C. and make our decisions for us on our behalf. And if our votes are not uh, legitimate and their integrity is not upheld, then the entire thing crumbles to the ground. So that is extraordinarily important, and uh, if I had to say, I would support such a commission. Uh, Josh Mandel, I really appreciate what you're doing there, and I appreciate you coming on. Congratulations on uh, on your polling. Congratulations on your endorsement from Ohio Value Voters, and we'll talk again, I know. Thanks, Bob. Take care. Thank you, Josh Mandel. I appreciate that. That's Josh Mandel. It's 931. We'll take a time out here for news and come back with Congressman Jim Jordan next, AM 1420, The Answer.
Okay, 936 now. Let's dive right back into it with uh, Congressman Jim Jordan coming off of a long Independence Day weekend. Congressman Jordan, good to talk to you, sir. How are you? I'm fine, Bob. How are you doing? Did you have a good, uh, good holiday weekend? We did. We had a terrific weekend. It was nice to have everybody good. back around, a nice family barbecue. Actually, we did it yesterday since we celebrated yesterday. So how about you? Sure. sure. Yeah, it's all good. All good. Still the Fantastic. greatest country going, right? In spite of what the left's trying to do to it, still the best thing going. And uh, uh, we, can all, uh, we can all appreciate that. Well, can we? Is it really the best country going? Because uh, according to um, one of your colleagues in the uh, in the uh, uh, U.S. House of Representatives, quote, when they say that the 4th of July is about American freedom, remember this, the freedom they're referring to is for white people. This land is yeah, stolen yeah. land, and black people still aren't free. Did you know that people uh, who have darker skin are not free in the United States of America in 2021? No, it's it's... It's just sad to hear that kind of stuff. Um, you know, like I said, it's it's the greatest country ever, given more opportunity to more Americans and, frankly, to more people around the world. No, no, no country has done more for more people than the United States of America. And it's, um, I, but you know, this is this is a sad thing today, Bob. Like, there, there's one, and this is scary. There's one party who believes America's great, not perfect, but the greatest nation ever. And then there's another party that believes America's bad. And I, I don't know how you stay a major party in, in the long term when you actually don't like your own country. And it's, um, it's, it's scary, but it's, it's what's at stake. And I think it's why you saw 40-some thousand people a week ago there in Lorain County uh, for President Trump, and you saw the same numbers down in Florida because people are tired of this kind of stuff. They really do love this great nation, and they know the opportunity it's given them, their family, and so many people. Um, and that's really what's at stake in today's what is, politics, and it's, it's what, sad to say. What is the end game that they have when they, I mean, because you're right, they are just loudly and pro, pro, uh, proudly proclaiming their hatred for the United States. I mean, take Maxine Waters. I was talking about Cory Bush a moment ago. Maxine mm-hmm. Waters mm-hmm. tweeted this, uh, July 4th, and so the Declaration of Independence says all men are created equal. Equal to what? What men? Only white men? Isn't it something that, that yeah, they yeah, wrote like... in 1776 when African Americans were enslaved? They weren't thinking about us then, but we're thinking about us now. Further, she writes, the De- Declaration of Independence says we hold these truths to be self-evident, yet, these are her words now, 17 states have enacted voter suppression laws. Supreme Court gutted Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act. George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Michael Brown, Sandra Bland, Tamir Rice, need I say more, hashtag July 4. Congressman, I mean, when the left says we hate this country, doggone it, they're not messing around. They really mean it, don't they? Yeah, and 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 to, you know, think of those great words. We hold these truths, we self-evident, all are created equal, endowed by our Creator. God gave us our rights, not government. Uh, by the by, the fact that we're created in His image, that we're human beings, we have these fundamental rights to life, liberty, and pursue our goals and our dreams. I mean, it's, the, what what powerful premise this country started with, and for then the left to attack that. Um, and look, like I said, we all know we're not perfect. We're human beings. America is not perfect, but it's the greatest country. Ever. I've said before, and I mean this. Next to next to Jesus, the best thing that ever happened to this world is the United States of America. But that's not where the left come from. Uh, comes from. They, they they just they want to tear everything down and it's and it's it's frustrating and it's wrong and we have to push back we have to push back and so many Americans understand that yeah I, I hope they do and I hope that is reflected in the uh, midterms next year uh, Congressman mm-hmm. let's talk about um, 
Forget about the midterms for a moment. Let's talk about what happened on November 3rd and the result of that or the continuation of that and the challenges to the uh, results and the authenticity of the results on November 3rd, which, of course, came to a head on January 6th. Nancy Pelosi could not get a full-on bipartisan commission uh, 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 put together, so she did a select committee, and she has put Liz Cheney as the lone Republican on it right now. Kevin McCarthy, I guess, is tasked with finding some other Republicans to serve on her select committee to investigate what they are continuing to call an insurrection. Would you serve on that committee if asked? And, and how do you think that's going to well, go? Well, yeah, we're, we're not sure what Kevin's going to do yet. Um, you know, but what I do know is this, and I understand his his is taking some time to figure this out because this is impeachment three. I mean, we we know what this is. Uh, this is this is one more chance for the Democrats to go after President Trump. Um, that they want to make sure he's not able to run in 2024. You and I know both want him to run. I think he's our best candidate, and I think, frankly, he's going to win. They're afraid of that, and they're trying to go after him once again. Um, and, frankly, Bob, I think we've talked about this before. What else do they have to talk about? They're going to talk about inflation. They're going to talk about gas prices. They're going to talk about the crisis on the border. They're going to, they're going to talk about uh, the fact that they're getting ready to raise taxes. They're going to talk about the fact that every single employer I talk to, probably every employer who calls into your show, says they can't find people to work because government keeps paying people not to work. So I don't know what else they have to talk about. So they, they, they do this. We'll see if, uh, we'll see if Leader McCarthy um, names uh, Republicans to this, uh, this select committee, and, and, uh, and we'll cross that bridge here in, in, in a few weeks, I think. But um, this is just one more, one more attempt for them to go after President Trump. I mean, he's been out of office now over six months, and they, they, just, they, they, they continue to go after the guy. Yeah, I mean, in all seriousness, the um, uh, the impeachment, the second impeachment, was a January sixth committee essentially because they blamed yeah. President Trump for inciting it, and 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 they they you know did everything that they could do on the Senate side to try to convict him. They called all their witnesses, and of course, it was a bunch of garbage. But uh, now they're trying to have another bite at this apple. And there's probably more. Plus, we we saw the whole his whole speech on tape. It's been played a umpteen right. times. And then we've seen that the, and there were some terrible things that happened that day. We all understand that. But we've, we've, we've seen all that as well. So, but they, they have to keep going after the president. Um, it's why they put this commission together. And like I said, I think it's mainly because they got nothing else to talk about. Can you, Congressman, I, I want to move on from this, but just quickly, we continue to hear from families and attorneys that people being held right now for t- participating in that that riot or whatever you want to call it, including people who just went inside the Capitol, not that I condone it, obviously, I condemn right. it, you shouldn't have done that at all, much less smash a window to get in. Um, but But still, we are talking about essentially trespassing here. According to what we're hearing from family members and attorneys, there are people, hundreds of them, being held in 23-hour solitary confinement right now while awaiting charges and trial for their role in what happened that day. We don't do that to mass murderers and rapists, for crying out loud. They're being held in 23-hour solitary. I don't know if you can confirm or deny that that's happening, but if so, how is this in keeping with the rights of the accused? Yeah, we're trying to to, uh, get some answers to those. Those questions have been raised. we haven't been able to confirm that, but we're we're looking at it. Our 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 lawyers on the judiciary committee we're we're trying to figure out just exactly what's what's happened there. And you're right; if people who broke the law should be prosecuted, you and I've been consistent about that. Sure. The people who haven't been consistent through this whole thing are the Democrats. What I mean, in in effect, what happened last summer? The Democrats normalized anarchy. The Democrats normalized rioting, and then we get to January 6th, and I actually think 
that was part of the reason there wasn't a, a more robust security presence there was because of all the things the Democrats had said all the summer before, the things they said about President Trump and Lafayette Square and regarding St. John's Church. I think that was part of the concern is that whole normalization of, of anarchy that we saw from the Democrats. And frankly, we're seeing that play out now where crime is up in every single city. And what happened over the weekend? I think if you lived in, a, in an urban area right now, what's going on in the crime element and the, and the murder? I mean, it's, it's scary. But it's all driven by what the Democrats did last summer, where they normalized this this, this terrible kind of behavior. Uh, and I think there were some implications of that uh, for, for the security, the lack of security presence um, on January 6th, frankly. No, you're you're exactly right. They normalized it. I haven't heard anybody phrase it that way, but they did by by not having you know police respond and forced to put down riots and 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 looting and burning and so on and so forth. I mean, for crying out loud, they set police precincts on fire, and people who did get arrested for that recently were just let go and had all of their charges dropped. Meanwhile, you got these Capitol Hill uh, uh, quote unquote trespassers or rioters. Six months they've been held already without charges, and uh, again potentially in, in uh, solitary, which is just mind-boggling. So there's no there's no yes. consistency there whatsoever. And never forget, and never forget, Bob. We had Democrats raising bail money for the people who were in trouble last summer. Democrat members of the United States Congress. This is when I talk about normalizing uh, anarchy, normalizing rioting. That's what they did, and and and, and we, the, the press played along with them and called them all peaceful protests. So um, that's a problem too. You mentioned crime, and you mentioned the wide you know crime wave that is really sweeping across this country, particularly in the largest cities, Democrat-run cities, Democrat-run police-defunded cities. By the way, I should point out as well. But according to uh, one report, at least 150 people were killed by gun violence across the country and 400 people shot during the 4th of July long weekend. Um, Now, the left, of course, is going to say gun violence, gun violence, gun violence, and blame it on the Second Amendment rather than the people who are running around completely unafraid of being arrested or stopped or challenged by police officers who are just going crazy here because um, because of the uh, conditions that have been put in place by the left. At least that's my view of it. What's yours? No, I I think you're exactly right. I always say bad guys aren't stupid. They're just bad. And, And they now know that there are less police on the street to stop them from doing bad things, um, and and they 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 see what you and I were just talking about. They see this uh, the the left in the country now in charge of the country in Washington at least they uh, they have defunded the police and they have normalized anarchy. And in that environment, it doesn't take a genius to figure out you're going to get more crime. We have to go back to the to the basics, the things that we know work, which is let's respect our police, let's fund our police, let's make sure we have the cops on the beat, walking the street every day, doing the good things they do. Let's get back to that versus this crazy mindset and crazy policy um, from the left. Congressman Jim Jordan is our guest this morning on AM 1420. The answer, two more quick ones, Congressman. Uh, President Trump, former President Trump, went down to the border on Wednesday and actually went to the teeth of the problem. Uh, this, of course, just four days after Kamala Harris went to an outskirt of the problem, about eight 900 miles away from the real epicenter of the illegal uh, border crossing uh, uh, crisis. Um, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, and as you know, Greg Abbott, the governor there, has uh, mm-hmm. has pledged Texans' money. Uh, since the the federal government won't protect the border, they're just going to continue the border wall with Texans' money. Ken uh, Ken Paxton yeah. said 
that the Biden administration is clearly on the side of the cartels. And that's a pretty heavy charge because the cartels are deadly. Um, is there any way to dispute that, though, given what they are doing or not doing to stop the cartels from owning, running the border and continuing to traffic? Well, the, the, the Biden administration uh, certainly isn't on the side of a secure border. We, we know that. I mean, the, when I, I know we've talked about this before, but when we were down there uh, 10 weeks ago, <clears throat> excuse me, when we were down there 10 weeks ago, Every single border agent told us the same thing. They said this is all created by the crazy policies from the Biden administration. Three things in particular where they, they announced we're not going to finish the wall, we're not going to deport anyone, and we're going to get rid of the Remain in Mexico policy. And you get this chaos that we've had. And there's no other way to describe it because every month is, is, is worse than the month before. So we've had like the three worst months in, in American history as, as, as far as illegal immigrants coming across uh, the border. So it sure seems that way. I don't know exactly what... Uh, Attorney General Paxton may be referring to, but I do know this, that this, this situation is totally created by crazy policies from Joe Biden and the fact that they don't want to deal with it. I mean, the only reason we, <laughs> the only reason Vice President Harris went there is because President Trump announced he was going to go. And so she went to the border and never really got to, as you said, to the, to the real heart of the problem. Um, it's, it's so sad, but it's just like the crime issue. They've created it because of their crazy, crazy policy. And Congressman, last thing real quick here. Um, <laughs> um, we, we've probably all heard the, um, the opening line of the uh, Barnum and ba- Bailey's uh, Circus. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Well, they did a, a variation of that uh, before the, the fireworks uh, at Disney, at Disney World and Disneyland uh, at those yeah. parks until now. Uh, they have now dropped, ladies and gentlemen, and boys and girls, in their minds, in their argument, to be more inclusive in case there are things other than boys and girls and ladies and gentlemen out there. Now, I don't know what I don't know what third category there are, but they have changed yeah. it to dreamers of all ages to a, to uh, to avoid to avoid having to specify that there are indeed boys and girls and ladies and gentlemen out there in the crowd. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what to say. It's like uh, first uh, the first uh, the you know we started off with. Talking about Democrats saying that that uh, you know criticizing this great country and the Fourth of July and the flag and everything, and now we're now we're talking about you can't say boys and girls and and, and men and women and ladies and gentlemen. It's like I, I think I think so many Americans, Bob, are just fed up with this all. They said, can't we just be uh, focused on the on the on the things that are that we know to be true and get past all this politically correct baloney? Um, I mean, again, I, and I think, frankly, they're going to, you know, we, we didn't really get in the election next year, but I do think they're going to, Americans are going to show up in a big way next year, and they're going to say, we've had it with this crap, and we're going to, we're going to put Republicans back in power. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I'm waiting for Epcot Center to close now. That's a part of Disney down there, and Epcot Center is essentially devoted to science, and Disney has essentially yeah. now said, we are not a believer in science, we are a believer <laughs> in dreamers, so Epcot's got to go. I don't know. <laughs> Congressman, thanks so much for the time. I appreciate you, sir. You we'll bet, Bob. Have a good right. week, brother. Take care. Thank you. 9.51 now. We'll take a time out. That leaves me a few minutes before the top of the hour to hear from you. If you want to squeeze in a call before Kirsten now comes our way at 10.10, do it now. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Does the Disney announcement change your plans? If you've got young kids and you're thinking about going to Disney, you still going? Because I tell you what, I think this would turn a lot of people around and head the other way. I'm not going to participate in this abomination. You tell me. 216-901-0945. Right back.
Okay, 9.56. Short segment here. Uh, I'll get a call in, and then I've got a quick point to make, uh, because this is just laughable. Uh, Mikhail in Beachwood, my friend, on AM 1420, The Answer. Mikhail, good morning. Go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Great uh, show as usual. Thank you. Need, uh, need a lot of candidates for school boards. Um, most, almost everywhere on the east side of Cuyahoga County. I know you've got a very wide audience, not just in Northeast Ohio, but very large parts of the uh, east side of Cuyahoga County. School boards, um, lots of candidates needed. Nonpartisan races doesn't say party on the ballot. The election is this November. The signatures for petitions for candidates are due um, uh, by Wednesday, of, uh, first Wednesday of August. And, um, so you got about a month. School, yeah, so every school board in Ohio has five members, all 600 plus of them. Two or three of them are up for election or re-election this year. It's always on odd years. You can take majorities. You know, we talked about uh, curricular race theory. You, you got lots of guests on that. You've got 1619 Project, all of that. School boards in Ohio have very wide leeway as far as what they're teaching, what they're not teaching, the school books, the curriculum. So run for it. Uh, run for it just based on escalating levies. I mean, we're talking everywhere from South Euclid to Orange to everywhere. Almost everywhere on the east side, we need candidates. Can't just vote no. Um, just run for it. Very low turnout. Doesn't say party on the ballot. Can win in even very Democrat uh, suburbs. Well, I want to underscore what you just said, and I want to shout it from the rooftops, because we have all been screaming about how concerned we are about critical race theory being pushed on our kids, about over-sexualizing our kids with curricula, about uh, putting, uh, you know, um, harming girls, particularly when it comes to girls' sports with this uh, trans agenda, and all of these things that are facing our schools right now. We complain about it all the time, and we tell our school boards to not do this and to do that. And, Mikhail, you're right. Now is the opportunity not just to tell the school board, go and become the school board. If you live in a district, in fact, if you don't even know if there are seats up in your district, find out. And if you are a concerned parent or a concerned citizen who cares about your your kids and the state of your schools, like Mikhail said, run for the school board position and be at the very forefront of making the changes that are necessary in our public schools. I could not possibly agree with you more, Mikhail. It's extraordinarily important. Yeah, it's, uh, every school district has seats up. Uh, that's the point. Uh, they all do. Two or three seats. They all oh, do. because of odd years, as you said. Okay, got it. Yeah. Odd years. So either two or three seats, and sometimes more, sometimes four <clears> seats, <throat> because somebody resigned, and so you have to run for a portion of two years. Right. Uh, so, and, and for those districts like Orange, like Euclid, like Shaker, um, a majority, Beachwood, a majority of the school board is at stake. So you can really run as a team of three candidates. Um, don't worry about uh, too many Patriots filing to run because there's still time to drop out and consolidate and not split the vote. But it's been a long time. South Euclid, Linhurst School District, they haven't, they haven't had an opposed school board election since 2009. Wow. Uh, the Democrats have taken over these things for four decades, and I don't want, they don't want you to know that these things exist. That's the long game, and, and, yeah, that we talk about, and they've been doing it for a very long time. You're exactly right. Uh, and I'm so glad to hear you shouting this. So petitions are due, signatures are due about a month from now. When, the, yes, first first yes, Wednesday of, of August. Don't wait until the last day. Don't wait until right. the last day. It's not too many signatures. I think in, in Beachwood it's only 25, okay. and uh, they collect like 50. 
because uh, they actually, unlike some other states, they actually do check in Cuyahoga County. You know, if you got listeners in other counties, I know I have a friend on uh, Riverside School Board. Uh, he's pretty conservative. They're not pushing any of that. So uh, take, take a look at your local uh, school district, uh, but very exactly large right. parts of east, east side of Cuyahoga. Yeah, we need candidates. We need patriots. Mikhail, I'm so glad you called, my friend. Thank you so much for the great information. Very important. Get on the school boards where you live. Appreciate your call. It's 10.01. We'll take a time out now. Come back with Kirsten.